you're now locked in to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. Just friends hanging out, reading unfamiliar and familiar scriptures, unpacking truths that we can apply to our daily routine, a fun look at the Word of God, a chance to laugh and learn at the same time. Welcome to Unboxing Scripture, not your typical unboxing channel. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited to get into another episode of Unboxing Scripture. I've got uh, a guest in the uh, studio today, Pastor Mark, and I'm just going to ask for help right off the start. I want to say transparenty. You got it, Brian. Hey, Good all job. right. <laughs> and you pastor in Kosciuszko County. in Wor- Now, do you say in Warsaw or in Winona? I usually say Warsaw, Winona Lake area. Okay. So that's why we chose Lake City. I've seen several churches like hone in on one area and then, yes. and then move here. The Holy Spirit might move your building to one place or another. Exactly. Yeah, because right now you guys are pioneering. You're in Lakeland Christian Academy. That's right. And so, which is a great space because you're not having to set up every single week. Oh, I'm man. sure there is some setup and some teardown. I'm barely. Former. Yeah. They're amazing. That's awesome. They're so open-handed. So I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Lakeland's really fun. It's cool that you're uh, in Kosciuszko County. I loved I guess I should intro how we got to the, where we're at right now yeah, in the studio. Yeah. So you know this story already, but for those that are listening, I do a breakfast weekly with some friends, and one of my friends attends your church, mm-hmm. which is, uh, the name of your church is? Calvary Chapel, Lake City. Calvary Chapel, Lake City. It's a mouthful. It, I mean, New Life Christian Church and World Outreach I, is also a mouthful. We just abbreviate down to New Life, and I think you guys abbreviate down to Calvary Chapel, correct? Yeah, we do that, or Calvary Lake City. Oh, or Calvary. Either, either way. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so nevertheless, one of my one of the, our breakfasts, or one of my breakfast buddies, attends your church, and shortly after attending, came in on a breakfast and was like, guys, this past Sunday, Pastor Mark was preaching and just completely rocked the way I understood a verse. He started preaching, and at first I was like, what is this guy saying? And then the more he talked, the more I was like, wow, I think... I now am going to change the entire dynamic I associate mm-hmm. with this scripture. And it's a parable that Jesus tells mm-hmm. in the gospel, but does not explain. It's super short parable. It's a one verse parable yeah. that he just mentions. So for those of you listening, we're going to Matthew chapter 13 and we're going to read verse 44. And mm-hmm. I'm going to default to you on this and let you read the verse and then let you share the two camps of thought yeah, that sure. are around this verse. Cause there's, more of a, what I would say, a general understanding, which isn't a wrong idea, but really, I don't think it's what this verse is articulating. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful biblical truth. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think a lot of people just default to that understanding with this verse out of right. Matthew 13. But I really think as you guys are hanging out with us today, and as Pastor Mark is sharing, you're going to just be like rocked if you're not already in the second camp of thought. Because once you hear it, it's like, how did I miss this? And if you can share like when, how you got to this place of like you were reading the scripture and when the Holy Spirit highlighted this understanding to you, where were you in life? What was going on? And then we'll just, I'm going to default and just kind of probably off and on interrupt with the, you know, amen and a question or something like that. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. All right. We'll start with the verse, Matthew 13, 44 again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has 
and buys that field. And so the backstory for me personally yeah. is that 2012, I'm in the midst of living for the world. I'm not called into ministry yet. Okay. I'm, I'm at that point, total idolatry of my career. I was doing what, and at the same time, I was also wanting more and a little upset that I wasn't quite getting what I thought I should get based on my mm. efforts. And so I was also drinking a lot. Wow. Okay. I didn't know. This is not what you preached. No. So no, this is new stuff. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. It goes back to grace and it goes back to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah. Come on um, now. And because what happened was in the midst of that season, what happened was that's when God called me. I had been um, falling down drunk on the streets of DC yeah. at a work event. And then two days later, my kids are getting baptized. Wow. And my pastor's just explaining at the baptism, the normal things that a pastor would explain at a baptism. You're identifying with the death and resurrection of Christ. You're putting to death the old man and you're rising new in Christ. And, yeah. and in that moment, the Holy Spirit just impresses upon me, you need to put to death the old man and you need to get baptized again. And this voice in my head, this still small voice, I'm like, that's not me. Yeah. We baptize my kids. I look at my pastor. I'm like, oh, I've been baptized before. I was like, is it okay if I get baptized again? Yeah. And so anyway, I came out of that water changed. When in Proverbs chapter one, it says, turn you at my rebuke. Surely I'll pour out my spirit on you and give you understanding. And long story short, that led to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I came out of that water changed. I haven't drank since then. That's awesome. Um, I, that was 2012. 2012, August 5th. Yeah. And, and But before and after that, I would sit in Bible studies and I wouldn't see the word. I would sit there with my pastor and these other guys and they were getting these revelations, and it was like the scales were removed from my eyes. You, you look at Paul. Paul was on the road to Damascus. Oh, yeah. Going to kill people. And that's when God called him. I yeah. Mean, that's grace. I, don't you? I love the fact that for whatever reason in our society, we tend to think, let me get everything cleaned up, and then right. I'll be ready for God. Yeah. But God's, dude, I'm ready for you in the midst of your mess. Yeah. And I think that is such a, that furthers the depth of our relationship mm -hmm. when we realize, man, yeah, here I was the night before drunk. Here I was the night uh, on the road to kill mm -hmm. and persecute the church. And God revealed himself to me and how ready he was for me. That has to reaffirm our relationship over and over again. Yeah, And it's got to be encouraging when you're in what I believe. God has called us to progress, not perfection. Mm. Jesus was the one that lived perfect. So mm -hmm. I could continue to live in a place of pro progress in my relationship. I'm, yeah. Today, I believe I'm better than I was yesterday. Yep. But I believe tomorrow I'm called to be better than what I am today. So mm -hmm. it's a continual relationship of progress with him. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying there. So yeah, sanctification, ah. it's our whole life. It is. It is literally <laughs> our entire life. We are never done. Yep. Yep. Until we're dead and glorified. Exactly. So, but uh, even then we'll be learning until the end of the age. You know, I know. So, but ages to come, we'll be learning. I'm excited. Sorry, I'm, we're rabbit trailing. We are. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but I'm excited for the, the place where I get to be in a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. where sin isn't blocking any of the revelation, where my humanity and everything isn't limited, but I'm hanging out with him perfected in eternity, learning and seeing the characteristics of Christ uninterrupted or uninhibited by sin. Mm -hmm. Like when that filter is removed, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I'll need eternity. I'll need eternity to enjoy this. Yeah. And it's never going to get old. Yeah. You know, uh, so I look forward to eternity so much. But yeah, so what happened was that after that had occurred, my, my life was changed. My, my marriage was on the fritz. We had a lot of people praying for me. Mm. And they, these, this whole church got to see this man changed. What, a, what an amazing thing for them to see their prayers answered in that way. And a long story short, we wind up 
selling or giving away all our stuff, going to Bible college in California. Then, then the Lord calls us to the Philippines and he opens up all the doors. I continued in Bible college in the Philippines. Wow. And we were doing missions work in the Philippines. And now you know, when you went to the Philippines, yeah, it was your whole family. Yeah. All six. See, when yeah. I heard you were in the Philippines, when this kind of got started, this revelation, I assumed you were a single young man called, mm -hmm. wow, notches of respect just went up because taking, obeying God to go on the mission field is one thing. Obeying God to go and bring your family, mm -hmm. the unity that it takes, and just the commitment to say, okay, guys, this is where God is leading us. That's impressive. I love it. Yeah, they were ages like two through eight at the time. Oh, yeah, like so the simple kids. ages. Yeah, but it was cool. Even God used them as like little missionaries. My youngest son at age two, blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, everybody else has brown hair, brown eyes. I don't yeah. know, was, you know, talk about like recessive genes, but but Filipinos, they would see him and they'd be like, oh, picture, and, uh -huh. and just open up conversations. So it was really cool. So I'm in Bible college there and, and we're going through parables in our in one of our classes yeah and my teacher there was teaching us that as you're interpreting parables that you have to look for the simple truth yeah come on and i'm taking it and everything i'm, I'm going home we're studying through and reading this parable that night i was like seeing it just in this whole new light and i was like i was blown away the holy spirit was just like making things click in my brain and yeah and so connecting dots absolutely and i was so excited in I got, a one verse parable i'm like wow i was like wow i've never seen it like this and uh, and it all made sense to me so i go back the next day and i share it in class yeah and it was it reminded me of that scene in a christmas story where ralphie he goes, sits on Santa's lap. Uh-huh. He says, he wants this Red Rider BB gun. Uh-huh. And Santa's like, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, you know, exactly. Sticks his foot in his face and pushes him down the slide. So, so when you shared what you had gotten mm -hmm. from the Holy Spirit at home, it wasn't well received. No. <laughs> The pastor, he was just my professor. He was like, he's just stick to the simple truth. It's yeah. oh, it just it killed me. But so that, so there's these two camps, right? On this parable. And again, parables, they're something you can't be dogmatic about. There are a few parables that have interpretation. There's other ones that don't have interpretation. This is one of those that does not have an interpretation. But certainly, I think when you look at scripture as a whole, yeah, and you look at the context, then you can look at, does this make sense more with interpretation one or interpretation two? Sure. But yet that first interpretation, which is generally taught in churches, is that this the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. It's interpreted that that's salvation. Okay. And in this verse, man found and hid, that man would be equated to us, that we found salvation. Which is the treasure. Which is the treasure. Okay. And then we go and sell all that we have to buy that field to mm -hmm. to obtain salvation. Yeah, I, I think so. that's, and I've heard that taught before. Hey, Jesus is so precious that when we finally discovered him, we give up everything for relationship worth with him, and mm -hmm. which is a, a biblical truth. But I don't know that's what this verse is saying. So then we have the second camp. And that second camp, I see it more that the kingdom of heaven, is, I guess really the, the question is, who's the man? Yeah, exactly. Who's the man? Who's the man? Because as know. soon as you can identify the man, the whole context changes. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I think about who's that man that sold all mm -hmm. to purchase a treasure. I know in my personal testimony, I didn't sell all. I backslid for two years after salvation. Yeah. And it took me 12 years before that baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had a foot in the world, a foot in Christ. I wasn't selling all. 
And I know so many Christians that live in that place where they're a little bit of misery, a foot in the world, a foot in Christ. They haven't experienced that fullness of going into the promised land, which I equate to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where he truly is overflowing out of you to affect other people's lives. So I, I just don't, I just really struggle. And there's a lot of reasons, not just that, why I struggle with that first interpretation. But when I think about that man who redeemed mankind, who, come who on. S- sold all, yeah. left his heavenly abode yeah. to purchase. Yeah. What, what's this man's name? Uh, it's Jesus. Come on now. So Jesus leaves heaven. Yeah. You think about the glory he had. Absolutely. He, he was right there in the beginning with God, was equivalent. He is God. And you look at in John chapter 1, mm-hmm. you know, just the the beautiful picture of all he did, John chapter 1, 1, John 1, 14, you know, of all he did to leave that for us because of love, yeah, to redeem us. And you, know, you look at the pictures of, of the kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament, the guy that, that purchases. So what I see is that Jesus is that man, and that makes the treasure us. Come on. That, it makes sense. Yeah. That all of a sudden now we're the treasure. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not just this emotional piece, but it should be. Because it's not, that's not why I lean towards that interpretation. But man, just to think about all that God has done for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he, he sold all, leaving heaven. And his incarnation comes in the most humble forms of poor baby boy yeah he doesn't come at first as the king he comes and he comes to to die to be the suffering servant exactly yeah and he gave his very life yeah and that was the purchasing Mm -hmm. like otherwise because if you're in that first camp it'd be very easy to somehow think okay what do i need to do to today to earn my salvation to Mm -hmm. earn my place of relationship but that's when we're taking in this parable the position of the man. Mm-hmm. But if we keep Jesus in the position of the man in this scripture, in this parable, and we're the treasure being purchased, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, then it's okay. It has to change the way we view it. Because when we start to see ourselves as, man, the way God sees us, a buried treasure that I'm pursuing, I gave up everything for. Mm-hmm. How many times have you not felt like a treasure? How many mm-hmm. times have you not felt like you were saying, even in your testimony, where you were in a place of like compromise or, or brokenness? Yeah. yeah. But yet God's going, no, you're the treasure I'm pursuing today. Mm-hmm. I'm coming after you. I sent my yeah. son for you. Yeah. And this is grace. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't anything. Just think about, okay, so just salvation and theologic. I think one of my biggest challenges with that first view is just the, the idea of how do we obtain salvation? There's a lot of, and let me just say this. I really break this down in my sermon on this, which is on the website at calvarychapellakecity.com. There and, we and, go. And, and there's an alternative view. If you really like that first camp, you want a good, one of my favorite Bible teachers, Pastor Clark Van Calvary Chapel Bible Fellowship in Temecula, California. He really breaks down that first view really well, too. And he's more in that first camp. So just to be objective, right? Um, he has an app that you can listen to that first view. So there's a little objectivity. When I look at my biggest issue, it's the idea of how do we obtain salvation? And I, we don't purchase salvation. It's the gift of God 
lest any man boast. Yeah. And so that is my probably my number one issue with this verse here in that first camp saying that the salvation is the treasure hidden in a field and we don't hide it. We're just a letter light shine. And it doesn't say it's the, the it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It doesn't say salvation is like a treasure in this verse. Yeah. And so that is another issue I have is that the kingdom of heaven is this huge concept. We have basically this concept in which the, the whole parabolic discourse, Matthew chapter 13, you know, which is one of five of his major discourses in Matthew. Yeah. This discourse is addressed to a group of people. The only one, all the other ones are addressed to the disciples. This one's addressed to a group of people who just in the preceding chapters, chapter 11 and chapter 12, they were opposing him. And now he's speaking in parables to hide truth to unbelievers, to reveal truth to believers, Mm -hmm. to fulfill prophecy. But he's speaking, this is also called the kingdom of heaven discourse. And this whole, these eight different parables throughout Matthew 13, they're really describing the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Which is this huge concept. Salvation is part of the kingdom of heaven, but this is a much larger concept than just salvation. And he's saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And so this is, this could get into the kingdom of heaven being the people, being the the good people. Also in the kingdom of heaven, you see those birds of the air. So this is a big concept. This is going into eschatology as well. This is describing his whole thing that he's bringing in from after, you know, the resurrection and before the ascension for 40 days, what does he preach about? The kingdom of heaven. And so this is a big deal to Jesus and he's describing his kingdom. He's the king. Matthew is driving home that point that Jesus is the king. He's writing to the Jews. Jesus is the king. He's describing his kingdom. Yeah. You know, and he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That I just can't see how when we plug in, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the treasure? Why would you hide it? And specifically, okay, so how do we get to that point of hiding? The kingdom of heaven's hidden in a field. If that's the treasure, we don't hide salvation, but how does God hide that? Some people would equate this also to the Jewish people. And the next parable, the parable of the pearl of great price, more to the Gentile nations. But you think about the Jewish diaspora, the Jews, many times, Assyria, Babylon, 70 AD, Rome, many times they've been dispersed throughout the world. They've been hidden in the world, in the field. Earlier, he said the field is the world. So we shouldn't depart from that if he just taught that the field was the world a few parables ago. Yeah, it's, I mean, just, he's like setting up the foundation for the Mm -hmm. other parables. Yeah, yeah. So all of those things, you look at all these different things, and like I said, I really break it down more in that sermon, but you, you plug all these things in, and it's okay. This makes a whole lot of sense when we're, when we're really looking at this as Jesus is the man. He redeems mankind. He's the one that, I don't know, I think when I got saved, I don't even know that I had joy. I was a little confused, to be yeah. honest with you. And it was like, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, I had joy. Yeah. But initially with justification, and I think that's really, when, we say, when people say the kingdom of heaven is like salvation, mm. I think that's a little bit of a misnomer because salvation is a huge concept in and of itself. Justification in the past sanctification in the present, mm-hmm. glorification in the future. That's the umbrella of salvation. Yeah. So really, I think what they're trying to say is that the kingdom of heaven or the treasure is justification when we were first saved in Christ. I understand what they say when they're saying salvation. So anyhow, it just makes more sense to me with that second view, and, and I'm sure I'm right. And <laughs> You're sure you're right. <laughs> Stick it. Stick it to the teacher. <laughs> no, but I mean— And I love how the fact, like, you were at home, you were studying this out, the Holy Spirit's just laying it out to you Mm -hmm. and connecting dots. And I think it's, 
as you look at this verse with Jesus being the man, and if you're in the first camp, we'll just call it, where we're the man and we're called to give up everything in pursuit of a relationship with Christ, you're not wrong. That is something Mm -hmm. we're called to do. But I think this verse, when we go to the second camp of thought and we look at this verse from Jesus being the man, and he's the one that, man, we already identified, gave up everything. And then literally we say, man, he paid the price I couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. He purchased me. The Bible says we were purchased you know, with a price. He purchased us. Then I was like, oh, man, this verse just so many dots connect. Yeah, the, it seems like the ambiguousness of it is eliminated mm-hmm. through the kind of that understanding, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that I enjoyed. Like when you were ministering and preaching, and I, if uh, if you listen to the message, it flows better than this podcast because I'm not in the middle of it interrupting him. But it's just so good hearing. And you were very, I think you were even in this podcast. You're very complimentary to the first thought, but it's yeah. But I really find this yeah. is the biblical truth here. Yeah. I, like I said, like one of my favorite Bible teachers is in that first camp. And so it's not worth dividing over a parable Come on. where there is no interpretation. You can't be dogmatic either way. It really, I, I think when you, comp- like I said earlier, if you compare scripture as a whole, this first camp, just make the second camp makes more sense to me. But Absolutely. that's just a, a personal opinion there. So sure. But I, I love good good dialogue, and there's a lot of theological concepts out there that, that we, unfortunately, we divide over. And it's a sad thing to me. I don't, I love interde- interdenominational conversations. Look, we're finite in our understanding, and we're a bunch of just people trying to understand an infinite God. And it's not worth dividing over on gifts of the Holy Spirit, or are we saved and once saved, always saved, or, you know other yeah. camps are we uh, there's so many different things that people would look at and they're like i don't see it that way so we can't be friends and this is sad to me that i'm sure mourns god as well yes so i really i'm in the middle on a lot of things i see the truth and the tension you know that there's these two camps and some are in between on, on these dividing points is it god's sovereignty or is it free will I think the truth is in the tension somewhere in between i, I really look forward to that day that we sit at jesus's feet and he just reveals exactly how it all truly is to us. Yeah. Ah, um, this has been fun. In case you guys didn't know, this was Mark's first podcast. And dude, you like a pro took this <laughs> thing on. So well, thank you. Thank you. I, like I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm more of a, a writer. And so the, the kind of dialogue section here. You yeah. Know, the ad lib. Yeah. That's, that's not my forte, but Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Hopefully today, more than anything, my, my hope, my prayer is that there'll be somebody out here that's listening to this. And maybe this just a little bit like wets the whistle and some thoughts and causes them like, wait a minute, let me dig a little deeper into that. Yeah. Let me jump dive into that. I don't know. I'm not sure if, if what Pastor Mark, what Brian's saying, if what they're saying is right. Let me dig. If you're digging deeper because of this conversation, then good. Be a Berean. Absolutely. You know, never trust what your pastor's saying. You go ahead and be a Berean. Yeah. I don't care if your pastor has no letters after them, if they've got an MDiv or some PhD. You should be digging in personally. Yeah. You I'm, know. I'm convinced that church is not where you go get fed, mm. but it's where you go to create an appetite. Mm. 
Like, yeah. I think too long we've gone to church with the idea of, okay, I'm going to go and get filled up mm-hmm. instead of, oh, I'm going to go and get fired up because mm. I need to be feeding myself. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, I'm a associate minister and, and I don't want, I don't want to be your diet. God is so much better than yeah. me once or twice a week. Yeah. And how many of us, if we just have just a Sunday lunch, are we going to be, are we going to be like, that's the only meal we have during the week? Like we're going to feed our flesh three times a day. How often are we feeding our spirit? Uh, Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah. So yeah, I I would love to see the body of Christ make that shift where church is where we go, like just to create or further the hunger, not where we go to satisfy ourselves. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, I, and I get it because, you know, I lived there for so many years. That that was me for many years. That's where it's just, it was grace for me. When God took those scales off my eyes and gave me that hunger, I wasn't living. I mean, I, I wish I could say like, all right, here's what you do to get to that point. I don't know why it is that happened to me. Yeah. And that's why I always say it's grace. I know that, I guess one first step I would suggest is that if you're listening to this today, and you're like, I want to be there. I want to be there where I hunger for the word, where I wake up. I want to be that man in Psalm 1 who's, who's just sitting there and who's just taken in the word. When I want to be that, that man and just loves the law of the Lord Yeah, and, and, in his de- and me- meditates upon it day and night. Yeah. I, I want to be that man. How do I get to that place? Well, the first thing, Jesus instructs us to ask, to seek, and to knock continuously to do those things. So have you prayed about that thing? And so I would say that's your first step is you need to ask. I know before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, six months prior, my pastor had had done a a message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said at the end, he said, if anybody here wants to pray about this, he's like, you come up and see me afterwards. And I was the only one that went up out of hundreds of people. So that was six months prior to me receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't receive it right then and there. Yeah. I received it in God's timing. And, and when I received it, it just, it rocked me. And so. Everything changed. Every, it did. Absolutely. And I praise God for that. But I prayed. I asked that day, six mm-hmm. months prior to receiving that gift. So that would be my suggestion is that you need to ask Jesus, ask God for these things that you want. If you don't have that desire, that appetite, get to the place where you're asking for it. That's awesome. Hey, early on in my podcast, I would end the show with a, a random question just to lighten the atmosphere because sometimes we get into <laughs> some just biblical fun deep waters. So we're walking our way out of the deep here. If you were to draft a dodgeball team, okay, of biblical characters, who would you put on your team? Oh, man. You get five characters here. Five characters. Yeah. It's got to be Peter. I mean, okay. Pe- Peter's got to be on the dodgeball <laughs> team. Mr. Mr. Uh, think first or act first, think later. He just seems like a dodgeball character. John the Bat. Wild. Uh, yeah. Wild. Beard and honey. I'd probably throw Elijah in there for the same reason. I just, okay. I mean, I want, a, I want a big manly dodgeball. Maybe throw in a, a mighty man of valor or something like that. I'll just pick David and yeah. then Samson. There you go. You know. So when the team walks out, intimidation is instant just <laughs> upon seeing these guys walk out. This has been fun. Thank you so much for hanging out and jumping in the word with me and doing this. I really just personally even enjoyed this. Yeah, likewise, man. This has been fun. Yeah. All right. Hey, we will see you on the next episode, guys. Thanks for listening to Unboxing Scripture.